Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Jalise Littlejohn, who will be sharing her two birth stories, one with assumed preeclampsia and an emergency C-section, while the second was an attempted VBAC. As with all our storytellers, we are excited to hear her share her truth today. Hello, welcome to the show. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Absolutely. So I'm a 30-year-old mother of two, uh, recently married. So now I'm Jaleese Little John Thomas. Okay. <laughs> <So> very, very <laughs> excited about that. But so we have a four-year-old and a seven-month-old, both boys. And... I, this is the best part of our lives, as I'm sure a lot of parents realize. But what's funny about my story is that I won't, my mother says that I did not dream of having kids. And that may be true because I was just on this professional track, like, you know, achieve, achieve, achieve. And now it's just funny that I'm not really fulfilled by the professional side of my life, but the personal side is what brings that like limitless, endless joy. So, with all that said, uh, some of my, I guess, type A tendencies, I was very shocked about or with how both of my pregnancies went or the delivery, labor and delivery, we should mm-hmm. say. So my first pregnancy, oh, am I jumping the gun a little bit? If yeah. you want to keep it moving, okay. keep it moving. <laughs> uh, my first pregnancy was perfect. No issues with the, uh, I forgot what that sugar test is called, but it was just a dream, really. Didn't gain too much weight. So to my surprise, when I thought my water had broken and we went to the hospital, super excited, they had me hooked up to the blood pressure machine. And I guess my blood pressure was through the roof, but they weren't paying attention to that because we were so focused on like, no, I promise you my water broke. I'm telling you it broke. It did not break, by the way, (laughs) because I later realized that once it actually broke, oh, that's what that feels like. Okay. So they sent us home and we lived an hour away from the hospital that we had selected at the time. That's not very wise, but hey, it's what it was. And I didn't have a ride back to the hospital because my now husband was in school. So I had to call a coworker. We go back up to the hospital and they're like, oh, you know, we think you might have preeclampsia. You're going to have to stay. You're going to deliver at some point. So they let, they did A to Z, all the things that I did not want to experience because we had to take in the Lamaze classes. So I'm like, oh, we're not going to have a C-section. I don't care about that part. I'm not going to have an epidural. Don't care about that part. So I paid attention, but it's like, that's not going to be my story. Mm -hmm. So they gave me the Pitocin, and then I ended up getting an epidural. And my water broke at some point. So like I said, then I realized, oh, that's what that feels like. (laughs) And then they did an emergency C-section because with every contraction, the baby's heart rate was dropping. So I'm kind of freaking out at this point because I never thought that I'd have to have surgery in my entire life, let alone at this moment that was supposed to be so joyous. And I said I was going to jazz music playing and candles lit. I don't know what world I was in, but that's what I thought. (laughs) And the C-section went through. I didn't have any complications, but the recovery piece in the hospital, that's what shocked me. The treatment that I received. Some of the nurses were phenomenal, others not so phenomenal. 
and here's an example of kind of like the horror stories that you see in the news, but not to the degree of obviously like maternal morbidity or mortality. I told this woman that I was in so much pain, like I, there's no way I could have taken my pain pill. And you're, you're taking the pain pills around the clock. So I knew she had given it to me, but I was just out of it with the level of pain. I, I don't remember what kind it was, but it was, it was too much. So I dropped the pill in the bed. But the fact that she wouldn't even entertain seriously that I should not have been feeling what I was feeling, that was scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And then, I, you know, I was super swollen from all the fluids because they let me try to deliver after induction for around, I think it might have been 12, 15 hours, which was probably too long. And blood pressure was still high when I left. But like I said, nothing came of it other than just kind of being fearful about the things that we read about. So that was my first pregnancy. Yeah. Like, yeah. So to go to the funny side first, it's so interesting to hear when people are like, I think my water broke and go in. They're like, oh, you just peed yourself. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, y'all sure? <laughs> They're not right. It's a trickle. It's just right. a trickle from the top. That's all. <laughs> I did not just come in here because I peed on myself. <laughs> right. That's some, that just speaks to how much like our vision our thought of what that experience is going to be that first time anyway and it's just like oh here it is I'm ready let's go <laughs> right it's exciting to know right how much of all of that experience for that first pregnancy um just kind of led you into how you prepared more for the next pregnancy? That's a great question. So I went into the next pregnancy considering both options because like I said, I had not, the C-section life was not for me or so I thought. I told my, I specifically sought out a OBGYN of color this time. I don't, it didn't end up mattering because I ended up seeing probably on the upwards of five different uh, practitioners my entire pregnancy, like on a rotation, which I don't know how I really feel about that either because I had to keep explaining my medical history to each one. But that's another story. So the way I kind of prepared this time was that anything could happen. We, I think week after week, one week I was telling my OB that I would do a C-section, let's just plan it because we know how that goes. And then the next week I'm like, but what if? So lo and behold, to my surprise, I had never felt natural contractions before, but the day of my scheduled C-section, so this was kind of like my do or die date. If I didn't go naturally, that this was the date that I would have my C-section, I started having contractions, but I didn't know because I thought it was, so I guess I peed on myself during the first one. This time I thought I was doing something else, like, or getting ready to do something else. But it was not that, it was contraction. So I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, body, you're working. <laughs> and so that's the, we had to be at the hospital at noon. I had been having contractions since seven. So I had five hours of like going from, I guess, zero to, I think by the time they checked me, I might've been three centimeters dilated. And I said, well, let's try the V-back. Let's really, you know, do it. But what ended up happening? It was just moving slow. I did get to 
10 centimeters dilated, but I was only zero space, I think. Is that right? Or zero station? Zero station, thank you. Yes. So he he was hitting something, but I mean, like he really could have came out. <laughs> so I was so excited, but that lasted for, I don't know, at least probably 18 to 20 hours, I feel like. Because mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it did. And uh, then I got a fever and they were worried. They gave me another hour for things to go. I think I was getting swollen too. It was just, and then, you know, my husband, he's there and he's like, we can do it, we can do it. I'm like, I know. And then, you know, hours before that, I had thrown up and I was like, oh, it's really gonna happen now. All these bad things, right, in normal life that I'm like, it's happening, it's happening. <laughs> so we, I get my C-section and it was pretty much the same as the first one with the exception of uh, there was some kind of blood clot on the right side of like my pelvis, I guess, but it ended up not manifesting to become anything uh, detrimental. But I'll say the healing process, yeah, it was pretty much the same too. But of course I wish I would have been able to have the V back because we'd like another child. And now that I know I really definitely have to have a C-section, it's kind of like, eh. But it is what it is. We're all here and healthy. It's so tough. Like, I, I mean, I think um, when you're going into the second time and you're really trying to like prep yourself of this, this is going to happen. Um, I'm, my body's doing it. We're going to do it. Um, and then your plan like shifting again, you know, you're like, how much, how much can I push myself before I have to make a call? You know, um, and I always find that to be such a tough when when people are trying to attempt their VBAC of that like balance of how far am I going to push until I say okay we're just gonna we're gonna do it this way. Um, and how was though like you know thinking about your postpartum's both in recovery? How was it for the first time? You know, it was just one, and then now into the second one, you have another kiddo. How was managing or what was that comparison like? So that that is a great nuance there that I almost kind of overlooked it. For, yeah, I overlooked that. <laughs> I wanted to get up and go as soon as I got home because we were in the hospital the normal amount of days, I think three or four days, and we were missing our oldest and just, you know, ready to be a family of four. But it's like kind of that constant reminder that I had to remind myself of, you know, you just got cut. I know you want to jump and, you know, pick them up from daycare and pick them up and love on them and stuff, but you can't. So that, it, it definitely is tough balancing too. And especially with their age gap, because a four-year-old is, I mean, yeah, they're not running the, I don't know, the refrigerator dumping out ketchup necessarily. I don't know. Some do probably, but you, you it's just, making sure that he knows that he's still loved. So it's, it's emotional, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's everything. And just trying to balance that with a new baby, it's tough. It, it really is tough. I mean, even to this day, it, our four-year-old is extremely helpful, but we have to tell him, like, you, know, you can't really pick him up because he weighs almost as much as you. <laughs> and with nursing, I am, we have to be attached. So having, and Xavier, I nursed him for, till he was, three and a half I think yeah three and a half so he remembers doing it and he's like here let me help and I'm like oh it's okay you got it 
but it, it's been wonderfully challenging. I'll say that. When you think about how you prepared for that second birth, though, do you remember like some of the things that you were doing that you wanted to make sure that the VBAC happened? Some of the things that I was doing to make sure that the VBAC happened would be mm -hmm. just uh, making sure that my diet was right as much as possible, uh, curbing those cravings, exercising, even though I will say what's, it's kind of odd when I was pregnant the first time, I didn't have a car, so I walked everywhere. I walked to and from work. I get, was guaranteed to get two miles in a day. And then this time I had a car, so I wasn't walking as much. I wasn't getting that natural physical activity. Any kind that I've got was structured. So I kind of missed out on that, but that's pretty much it. And, and may, maybe I could have done more. But I, I really just believe at the end of the day, it happened the way that it was supposed to for me, despite my wishes. <laughs> right, absolutely. Did you, did they determine what the actual reason, you know, each for each, I know with the first one, it was basically like preeclampsia. Did they actually tell you what the cause was for the second surgical birth? No, uh, she just thought that he was hitting some kind of weird angle. So my anatomy, I guess, really, chance or anatomy so when you say my anatomy do you take that personally or do you just say just the way he was positioned hmm. that's a great question when she said it to me i didn't take it personally granted i was kind of ready to meet him at that time so it was just kind of, okay, well, whatever it is, I understand that this is what's happening. Let's just go through with it. But now that you say it, yeah, it could have just been his positioning. I'm also thinking about right now the multiple care providers situation and how, you know, when you're going through <laughs> like the typical office, you are meeting three or four, sometimes five different faces. And it's like, okay, you don't know who you're actually going to get day of either like you have your main doctor but you're not sure who you're actually going to get um and just like you know like you said it how frustrating that can be like you're constantly repeating yourself <clears throat> about this is who i am this is how i'm showing up why have y'all not fully read my chart or like how do i maintain <laughs> some type of consistency like you're not i, I know that you you know y'all got a lot of people floating in and out but somebody needs to know me and what's going on with me so that day of there's no question about well they had this this and this that's not my job <laughs> right. and and i tried to because you want the vibe to be positive you're excited you're happy but when it got to the point where they were doing some kind of uh chance calculator to see what my oh yeah it was a v-back chance calculator or something like that and the first time i had mistakenly told them the wrong numbers or reasoning behind why I had my first uh, emergency C-section because I was I mean it was assumed preeclampsia but I don't really know it could have just I, I don't know so I said well let's look at the files you have my records from the other hospital that I delivered at and for whatever reason this physician clearly did not do that and just took my word for what my memory was and then I think my percentage for success was I don't know, maybe 30, maybe lower. But then when I had another, it might've been a nurse practitioner, she went back and looked 
and saw, oh, it wasn't this. And, and I apologize. I can't remember what it was, but she, whatever she put in the calculator said I had a 50% chance. And I said, well, I like those odds. Uh, let's, let's try. But yeah, it's just, it, it shouldn't be that hard. And especially for this institution, they specialize in high risk pregnancies, which if we're assuming I had preeclampsia, I was high risk and then I'm black and a host of other things. Why do I have to be my own physician? Um, so I'm looking forward to that not being the case on my last pregnancy, because otherwise I'm just going to come in there with the records printed out and we're going to highlight <laughs> together or, you know, whatever we need to do. <laughs> so today this visit will be an hour. We're all going through my records <laughs> together. <laughs> but that is, I mean, like, Buckle up. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we do, we tell our families all the time, get your records. Get your records so that you know what actually happened in that room. Well, not what actually happened. Let me not say that. What happened on their end in that room. So right. then you can not only piece together your experience, but also what was going on on that level. Um, because you're not always getting all the information, you know, in the day of, of what's going on on the, on the care provider side. Exactly. Uh, which then helps prepare you for your next pregnancy or birth. Um, Cause you have that information about like, okay, this is what happened here. This is why this might've turned out this way. Right. But yeah, I do. I always find that so tricky when you're working, when you're working with care providers who are like, there's that rotation of, of who you see and who might show up day of. Right. Um, Cause sometimes you might, you might not even have met the person that actually is there the day of and you're like, God dang, who are you? <laughs> and that was the case for me. One of my providers that, uh, one of the nurses that circled through, no, actually I take that back. She came and saw me because she told, we clicked and she said, I, I don't know if I'm going to help you deliver, but I'll definitely come see you. So it was around midnight. I think I delivered at 11 or something like that. And she was like, yeah, I'm just saying hi. So yeah, that was, I did not know anybody that was taking care of me. There's this balance that I would love to see happen where you have some providers who are like one woman shop or one man shop and it's just them. And so they can only take so many and they have the risk of, you know, burnout, right? But then they also, a lot of times if they are that one and they have fewer people, they are able to see the few people that they have longer and more frequently. So, but then the other side is when people come together to help balance each other out. Um, so there's providers that are working together, whether it's a midwife group or, you know, an OBGYN group that um, can take more and more. And there's this, the more they take, the more of them there are <laughs> and the more they rotate. And it's, and just like you said, you, sometimes they want to say, well, Throughout your pregnancy, we try to get you in with everybody, right? Um, and then that way, the day of, you do at least can say that, hey, I did meet you that one time <laughs> yeah. for 15 minutes. <laughs> um, uh, and it just seems like we've gotten further away from like that intimate um, interaction with a provider, especially when it's such an intimate and full body experience. Um, I don't know what that looks like for the future of, you know, birth work and, but I just, I, we hear it a lot, right? Where there's just mm -hmm. that experience for a lot of women and 
how challenging that can be to just make yourself open and let your body release and relax in a room full of strangers. Exactly. Um, something I did want to touch on that we don't, there's been like a few, I think, storytellers we've had who have shared about this, but, you know, extended nursing. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with nursing um, an almost three-year-old? Yes. It's definitely how we bonded. It was n not intentional. I, I don't even know if I had set the goal of a year. I, I just said, we'll do it until it feels that we shouldn't do it anymore. And okay, so a couple of things contributed to the fact that I was even able to do this. So I had started, I was in, a, I was employed at the time when he was delivered. And then he was home with dad for two or three months until my contract was up. Now I was unemployed for a year and a half. And then I decided to go back to school during that time. So the fact that I didn't have to work, I mean, I, I needed to work. I was looking for a job. Let me wait, hold on, let me put that out there. It just didn't happen <laughs> in that time frame. That definitely helped. I mean, how many women decide to stop nursing? I mean, even stop pumping because their job just does not support that type of a lifestyle. Now, right now, I work in a hospital, but with COVID going on, when I am in there, I don't feel comfortable pumping because I have to walk across and potentially get exposed to who knows what, so I don't pump all day. So then the other days when I'm at home, we just resume nursing, and that's, that's what it is. Now, do I think I'll go three years with him? I don't know. If I get to work remotely, we might, or whenever he quits, but he's going to be a good eater. I can already tell he's very interested in our food. But yes, definitely how we bonded and I, I never felt any type of judgment. I mean, well, I will say this, when he, probably when he turned three, that's when I felt like, oh, we keep, uh, that's when I kind of began to feel like, all right, at some point we kind of need to stop because he wasn't doing it for nutrients. He's doing it because it's our comfort. It's the way we bonded. So I just needed to find a new way to bond with him and I mean, we haven't really missed a beat, but I, I can guarantee that it'll be, well, I won't guarantee anything, but it'll be interesting to compare how if he nurses only for a year, what, what our relationship looks like, or, you know, if there's any uh, impact on that or not. Yeah. You know, you're the second storyteller this in the last two weeks who have really touched on um, just how important nursing was for them and their bonding with the kiddo. Um, and how impactful that experience was for them. Because I think there, there is a lot of information about it's good for the baby, it, it does this for the baby, and all this about the baby, but it's like, it does a lot for us too. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say 95% of it was because I needed it. I mean, he spent the night with his grandparents last night, and I couldn't go to sleep for an hour. I mean, we're just that, like, woven together. <laughs> It's crazy. It really is. Like, is, is everything all right over there? No, I mean, he spends time with them, so it's not even like that. But it should, I, I attribute it to, to that experience. I'm sure it has something to do with that. Like, man, I can't even sleep without you being here. <laughs> <laughs> My baby. <laughs> and so was there, I know you said that he wanted to help with nursing. Um, had you 
I guess, and maybe I missed this. Had you stopped before you had um, your new little one nursing, or was it kind of simultaneously? I had stopped. So okay. Here, it was a couple months before he was born. Wait, I might be getting my timeline mixed up. Hold on. <laughs> Actually, I think I think I said three and a half years, but I think I'm wrong. It must have been. No, no, I'm right because he's four. Right. Okay. Well, let's not try to put right. it. <laughs> <laughs> you are a mother, right? right. There. Like, I, think, I think Go. it was October. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we'll just say this. It was before. I think it was before I found out I was pregnant in March of 2019, okay. which is when he turned four. So no, actually, I might be right. I think it was three and a half. Let's stick with that. It we'll was three and a half. Yeah. It was a few times. I think it's it. a new kid. <laughs> a new kid. <laughs> and it's interesting because sometimes we hear where people are like, oh, I knew I was pregnant because my other one stopped nursing or wasn't oh. interested in it anymore. So it's interesting to hear you say Stop it. that he kind of was like, whatever. <laughs> this milk is for yeah. everybody. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think that was sweet, though. He wanted to help with the nursing. Yeah. That's just sweet. I mean, I can just see it visually. Like, I got you, Mom. And it's like, oh, and I didn't say their names, but the four-year-old is Xavier, and the seven-month-old is Eli. So Xavier, he took my, can I say boob? My boob. Yeah. kind of, like, <laughs> bottled it, made it into, like, a bottle. And he was like, here you go, Eli. Like, it's good. Trust me, it's good. And I'm uh-huh. like, God, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know you know he's <laughs> Hey, it's four stars over here. <laughs> right, right. Four oh, star service. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh my god. I got god. you, little bro. I love that. That is so sweet. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for you know, well, before I stop, I'm just thinking about too, just how much that'll normalize like nursing and like how normal that will be and how that like we talk about like you know really being able to show our children what I don't even know how to say what this journey the word I'm looking for I can't find right now but just normalizing the whole like pregnancy birth and postpartum for them that like he didn't skip a beat that oh yeah duh and how that'll transfer as he's getting older and um, yeah just how important that is Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you for having this platform. When I saw Thank you. what your podcast was about, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I hope they pick me. <laughs> oh. We pick everybody. We pick everybody. <laughs> yes. We don't, there's no one. We are not like, oh no, that story doesn't match. Love it. <laughs> yes. Anybody who wants to share, we're like, yes, come on, let's do this. So we just appreciate you for being willing to, because I mean, that's what, I mean, yeah, this is built from people being, wanting to share and sharing. Mm-hmm. We're just holding space for it and putting it out there. So um, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners from your birth, advice, anything? So one piece of advice that I would give, especially in these times, is just to enjoy all of the moments and whether they are qualified as good, bad, in between, just remember that everything is temporary. 
Mm-hmm. And the reason, this is the first time I realized that everything is temporary. I had never had heartburn before I had my first pregnancy. So I got it probably like month six, seven, something like that. And I was just like, man, this really sucks. Can't eat pizza. Like well, first world problems, right? <laughs> and my boss at the time had told me like, Jalise, it's just temporary. And then something good. Oh, the first kick. That was so amazing. I was like, this is so great. And then even that, you know, it's temporary once your kid is born. So just just really be present and appreciate everything. That would be my advice. But that's, that goes across for life. That's just life. <laughs> it does. But it does. It's one of those things that you can absolutely um, repeat to yourself throughout the day. Because as things come and go, the day, you know, re- reaches these peaks and valleys. And it's like this is temporary, this will pass. And that that's important to remind, especially new parents, right? Getting through that, those first few months. Be like, what are we doing? How did they let us bring a whole human home? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take them back. Right. <laughs> like, are there instructions in the Right. Here. <laughs> exactly. I'm sitting at home with all these booklets. Is there something on here how to do this? Thank you. Right. Right. <laughs> so we have Google and our mamas, right? Thanks for listening <laughs> to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.
Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.